You are listening to New and Old Treasures Podcast, a podcast to discuss Bible, theology, and Christian discipleship. And so this morning, I want us to uh, read the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to read chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. That doesn't sound fun. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So this, this is a challenging, this is a very interesting text because it's not an usual text. It's only recorded actually in the Gospel of Matthew. But that's not um, the reason why it's a particular text. The reason is also uh, because you don't see Jesus anywhere else acting the way he does here. Um, um, either... Uh, ignoring someone or not granting their desire to be healed, or even a racial slur that it's used on uh, verse 26. So this is kind of a puzzling uh, verse, but it's a powerful story of faith. And this is why I want us to take a look at this. Because when, when, when we hear the question uh, about our faith, uh, I want us to ask ourselves, how is your faith doing today, this morning? How's your faith? How do you feel about yourself, your relationship with God, your relationship with the church? And precisely because of the pandemic, uh, you know, everything has changed. The way we do banking, the way we shop, the way we interact with others. Um, the way you study, the way you work, everything, in, including the way we worship. And so the faith we had before the pandemic, I don't know how, how your faith was doing before COVID, but I can, I can testify that a lot of people are saying, you know, um, I don't want to go to church. I have different responsibilities. And so in this very changing, swiftly atmosphere, how is your faith Doing And so the faith that we had before the pandemic is not going to help you today to get through in this particular uh, environment. So our faith has to be renewed. Our faith has to be challenged and exposed and uh, for, for it to grow. I will say that the most important question for Christians is, what is your understanding of God and his power? Are you capable of discerning God's action around you? Can God act in different ways? Or does he always have to follow your own understanding and rules for him to act? So that's, that's a very deep question that's, uh, 
that's going to answer. I'm going to let the Gospel of Matthew answer to us. So Jesus is in the uh, in the region of Galilee. I'm going to share a, a, a brief, you see a map here. Um, he's in the region of Galilee, and he's been growing in popularity. He's very popular. That makes the religious establishment, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the priests, and everyone else, that makes them kind of jealous because Jesus is so popular that he has a lot of followers. Um, if, if, if we were to put it in today's terms, he will have a lot of social media influence and presence and millions of followers probably. And so that makes religious leaders jealous. They are jealous because who is this guy anyway? He, he has not come to our schools. He doesn't follow our traditions. He doesn't follow our, our rules. And we know where he comes from. We know how he was uh, about his birth, about his mom, and that she got pregnant before getting married. And we know all these things. So why are people following him? And so uh, this is a very tough question. And as Jesus is increasing in popularity, his uh, ministry is also increasing in challenges and disputes with the religious leaders. Um, who is this man? And I want you to notice that in chapter 15 of Matthew, just at the beginning, there is a controversy there with the Pharisees on the topic of what is ritually pure, the clean and unclean things. So in verse uh, 2, um, they asked Jesus, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And of course, this is not talking about hygiene only. This is a ceremonial or ritual washing of hands that have to do with the tradition of the Pharisees, the way they try to interpret the law of Moses. And so I want you to notice that in chapter 15, the question that is in the background of Matthew is... Who is clean and who is not clean? What's the difference between the unclean and the clean? Who decides who is clean? Who has a clean faith? Who can see God in a cleaner way? And this takes place in the border. Um, they say that Jesus retired there. Uh, and that's where uh, this episode is, is going on. So... Whenever we read Matthew 15, I want you to keep in mind that Matthew has strategically and intentionally uh, interwoven this story in his gospel precisely to reinforce the definition of what is uh, the ritually pure thing, person, object, whatever. And ironically, he is using a person that the Pharisees will consider ritually impure or unclean, uh, a Canaanite and a stranger, uh, a woman. So this, this episode of, of uh, healing in Matthew is diverse. Uh, it's complex, but it's artistically uh, located here to maximize the focus on the woman's faith. I do not want to say that she is a symbol of the church general but i want you to notice the following what obstacles has your faith overcome in the last week or today what faith uh what challenges what obstacles your faith had to go through this morning just to get you here 
let us see what kind of obstacles this woman's faith have, have to go through. Uh, number one, uh, there's the obstacle of her race. She is a Canaanite. She is not from Israel. Uh, you may remember Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. There's a list of nations that God gives Israel. And among them, there are the Canaanites. And God says to Israel, have no mercy on them. You must obliterate them. You must erase them from the face of the earth. Because if you leave them here, they will be like a thorn on your side. And so this woman is actually crying out to a Jew, have mercy on me. And all Jews know Deuteronomy chapter 7, you shall not have mercy on the Canaanites. So there's the obstacle of her race. And also there's another hurdle she has to go through, and that's her gender. And when, when you read the law of Moses, like Leviticus, you will find that it's, it takes more time for a woman after she's given birth, after her period, to become ritually pure again. There's a, a lot of days and, and, and time that has to go through, where, whereas a man has to go through the same process but shorter. So, ritually speaking, a woman is not on the same level or status as a man. There's that also. Uh, there's their obstacle, her obstacle of her situation. She has a demon-possessed daughter that makes her an outcast in her town, among her neighbors, among her family. Because that's not, that's not something. It's like having probably COVID today. You don't want to be around someone who's got COVID or who was recently exposed to it. So there's, there's shame there. And then, finally... If those obstacles were not enough for this woman, there's the obstacle uh, presented by Jesus himself, reinforcing all the previously mentioned barriers. And on top of that, calling this woman by the, um, the preferred word that Jews used to have to label uh, Gentiles, dogs. Uh, maybe your version reads something like little dogs or doggy. It doesn't matter what your version says. It doesn't take away the fact that it's a racial slur. It's offensive. And um, imagine this happening today. What will social media say? You know, we live in a time where people are so offended by everything or by nothing, whether you ignore them, whether you answer right or wrong or whatever you say. Can you imagine people going nuts today over Jesus' statement here, calling a woman dog, a woman who's looking for help? Social media will say things like, this Jesus is a fake, do not follow him, do not believe in him, and blah, blah, blah. And the church will get criticized and attacked. So, Jesus is an abusive, will someone say. So, all that to say, what obstacles, what hurdles have our faith have to overcome in the last week, in the last day, the last 24 hours, or, or just before you got here. Uh, this has been a year that has posed a lot of challenges to our imagination. Uh, I'm not talking only about COVID, but uh, the economic, the social, the emotional, the spiritual uh, consequences that come along with that. Uh, unemployment or massive uh, migration through the southern border and all other illnesses out there. So one thing that has happened is that the false gods that we used to rely upon have been exposed. Uh, life is fragile. 
life is beautiful and our faith needs to be challenged in order for it to grow. So, but not everyone sees life as beautiful. Um, society right away is, I will say, deeply divided over, you know, whatever issue you can think of, masks, no mask, vaccines, not vaccines. Uh, churches are well, are, are divided, are splitting um, over the same issues and others, like uh, should we worship online? Should we worship in person? What are we going to do next year? So I will say that these kind of thoughts, what, what they expose is kind of a faith, a superficial faith that has for too long rest upon external structures, but have not been able to deal with the core of the matter, which is um, the heart of the man. Let me ask you this. Why do you think that this woman persists on asking her request to Jesus? I mean, strike three, right? You're out. But she, she, she persists. She demands. She doesn't retire. She is adamant on, on her uh, request. Me, probably, I will have turned back the, the first time he ignored me. I don't know if you keep asking someone who is ignoring you, if you keep calling or texting or whatever. What do you think? I will say that she is insisting because she knows that this is the only God there is. He is the only God that can save. And notice this contrast. In verse 15, the Pharisees are unable they are unable to see who Jesus is, even though they have scripture, even though they have the tradition of Moses, even though they study the law, they cannot see that this is the Son of God. Whereas this woman, she is able to see what they have missed, that this is the Son of God. So the clean, the ritually clean cannot see who God is. But this ritually impure, unclean dog she has the opportunity and she has the faith to see Jesus because Jesus is God. And that's a, that's a powerful contrast in Scripture here. That sometimes we, who are followers of Jesus, may be missing on seeing what God is doing. And others who may not even come to church, they may be seeing what God is doing. So... I want you to notice that contrast because she knows what the religious leaders should know, but they don't. In, Mat in Matthew, I will say in a subtle, subtle way, she's telling us, the readers, that she is the one who is pure. She has the pure faith. I want you to see that. Her faith is pure. Even though she has to overcome all these obstacles, she is she has a genuine faith so genuine that Jesus in verse 28 is surprised do we have a faith capable of surprising God of amazing God God himself is amazed at the kind of faith that this woman has women you have great faith your faith is great this is what I expect Israel to acknowledge, but they have failed so. And this woman is capable of realizing not only who am I, but that I am capable of giving life, of giving healing. Your request is granted. Is that what she's saying? 
And so all that to say that only those who are on the brink of destruction, only those who are between a rock and a hard place, those who have lost almost all hope, those who are debating themselves between life and death, only they are capable of seeing God in a new, more profound and creative way. Because when we are comfortable, when we have all our needs satisfied, when we have everything we've asked for, we cannot see God in new ways. Because we usually look God acting in the traditional way. Because that's what we have heard. So the Pharisees, they were not prepared to see God acting in Jesus. They missed that. How can God reveal himself in this hillbilly, in this peasant? Someone who has no education. He has no formal training. He doesn't follow our laws. How can you tell me that this is the will of God or that this is the work of God? So I want us to be challenged by this reading, by this text, because it's telling us that we need to keep our eyes open in order for our faith to be able to discern God's work around us today. Be careful of a faith that is incapable of listening because... It already knows. It already has all the answers. Be careful of that faith. A faith that is not able to explore. A faith that is not able to see God working in different ways. In different settings. So what we need is a faith capable of visualizing God in different ways. To carry out his eternal purposes. A God capable of creating Things that you can see out of unseen things. Like I told you last week. Uh, this is a God who is capable of creating a new way in the sea, in the desert. Uh, a God who is capable of uh, liberating his people out of exile. A God that is capable of incarnating in uh, his son Jesus. And be humiliated in the death of the cross. Uh, just to live again forever. So... I am not going to tell you that you need to be like this woman because that's impossible. She's a whole different person. We cannot be this woman. So why is her story here in Matthew? Because I think that when we read it in detail, there's one thing we can take from this story. And that is a faith without limits. It's a faith capable of embracing the tensions in Scripture. And that's one thing we miss. We need to embrace the tension in Scripture. We do not need to solve it. What do I mean by that? Notice that this woman keeps insisting because she knows that this is the only God capable of saving her her daughter. There is no other God. Although this God is ignoring me, Although this God is saying no, do you stop when God says no? Do you stop praying? Do you stop attending church? Do you stop worshiping when God seems to neglect your request? A lot of people do. A lot of people get mad at God because they don't get what they are demanding from God. You know, we live in a culture where you want instant gratification. Just at the switch of of your thumb. 
you want to have everything, right? A click. And then you want Amazon to have, instead of a two-day prime, you want them to have like a 10-hour delivery service or something like that. So we want things right away. But God doesn't bend to our wills. He doesn't. He's God. He is God. And so uh, he, she didn't stop when God ignored her, when Jesus ignored her. She didn't stop when Jesus said, no, I'm not going to grant your request. She didn't even stop herself when Jesus called her a dog. What would you do if Jesus were to call you a dog? Would you go from church? But this is the tension in the scripture. This God is the only God there is. You won't find help anywhere else. So you better start looking at this God in intention. What is tension? Tension is um, the creativity of Scripture because Scripture is a unity, a theological, a literary unit, and every portion of Scripture is equally authoritative. This invisible, holy, sublime God is also an elusive God, a God who doesn't show his face to anyone. But he has revealed himself in the person of Jesus. He creates day, but he also creates night. He is the author of life who has revealed himself in the humiliation of the cross. And we need brothers and sisters, we need a faith that is capable of making room for a comprehension of God that does not limit him. That does not pretend to tell him how he has to act. Maybe you think that God has to act or be here on a Sunday morning at church. Inside these walls. Can he be somewhere else? Can he be saving somewhere else? Can he be saving someone else? Can he be doing something else? Or we, we persist with the idea of manipulating God. Creating him at our own image. He has no limits. He doesn't ask for our permission to act, to save others. So what happens is sometimes we choose the verse of the Bibles that kind of favor our own view and commodity, that doesn't challenge us out of the pews. Because, you know, there's a safe zone where, where we, are, we all like to be. And maybe we have created a God that is incapable of acting in new ways. And we need to change that. So I want you, brothers and sisters, this morning, I want you to um, take this. This is the takeaway that I want you to live this morning. We need a creative, creative, engaging faith to see God in new potential ways. Because He wants to save as many as He, as he can. And sometimes it is our vision, our limited vision of what God is, is doing or might be doing that doesn't enable us to explore our faith in a deeper and more creative way. And one way, one first step is to embrace the tension scripture. Even our lives are saturated by tension, aren't they? We are born and we die. We laugh and we cry. We celebrate and we mourn. We win and sometimes we lose. So existence itself is, is embedded in tension. Scripture also is embedded in tension. 
attention of a God who sometimes may say no. But it's also the only God capable of serving, of, 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 of worship. So do not stop worshiping God. Keep on going and spread the good news with as many people as you can. Thank you for listening to Treasure's new and old podcast by Lenin Mungia, a podcast to discuss Bible, theology, and Christian discipleship.